So today, we're going to talk about some wording in the Bible that I think trips some people up. But before we get going, let's talk about the week in our ministry. We have had a very good week. Um, we have reached, between the videos, the podcasts, um, the, the, the talking, things like that, um, witnessing, we have reached almost uh, 800 people this week. We're, we're really getting some uh, market saturation out there. It's, it's quite, quite fascinating how things go. Um, while we're still looking for a physical location, it's nice to know that the, the ministry is still reaching, it's still touching people. So uh, I just wanted you to know that. And again, everybody who comes along, who listens, who comments, thank you so much. Um, we've had a couple questions. We've had a couple debates with some people via email. But generally, overall, there's been some good, positive uh, feedback on everything we do. And for that, I thank you. So today we're going to get into um, the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. And the reason I'm doing this is because there's a lot of consternation. You know, the second you say, you got the Sabbath, the Sabbath, people go, legalism. But is it? I don't know that it is. So we're going to get into it, and I'm going to, uh, we're going to talk about the Sabbath. Father, we thank you for the time and the word, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. I thank you, Lord, for the people who are responding. I thank you, Lord, for those coming alongside. Father, as we open the word this morning, as we talk, as we, as we expound, Lord, hold my tongue and only your words out. Hold me back and only you forward. Father, in all these things, I just want to put you forth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to discuss a couple of uh, wording issues, okay? So it's always in the wording, I believe, where we get tripped up. For instance, God worked six days, created the world, and rested on the seventh. He rested. God himself, creator of the universe, all-powerful being, he rested for he needed rest. How much more might we need rest in a very busy, tumultuous world with us being finite beings? Genesis 2.2 And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. So God created all the universe, and on the seventh day he rested, viewed his work, viewed his week, sanctified the day of rest. God blessed and sanctified the seventh day. He set the example for us to take a day of rest. Just as we are to work a field, in the, in the Bible it says, you work a field for six years, and on that seventh year, you leave it be, let the soil uh, replenish, let the soil rest, let the soil regain its nutrients. For once it does, then it springs back to life with a good crop the next year. So should we also rest in the same way. After six days of labor, you rest so that you spring back to life. Ah, it, so then we're going to go to the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, remember the Ten Commandments, God came down to the mount and he spoke, literally, verbally spoke the Ten Commandments to the Israelites. It was so important that God himself came down and verbally spoke. He put the Sabbath, the seventh day, Sabbath, in them. He says, and I want you to pay attention to the wording right here. 
He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. To keep it holy, we are to look back upon all the things God has done for us that week. We are to remember he sanctified it. We are to have that day of rest. God sanctified the Sabbath day and we are to keep it holy. And how do we do that? By remembering him on that day. Where did the word holiday come from after all? Holy day. Holy day? Holy day. The Sabbath is to be a holiday to God for all of his blessings, all of his benefits, all of his benevolence the week before. Everything that we have done because of his blessings, we are to look back on and remember to keep it holy. A day of rest, a day of reflection, a day of thanks to him for his wonderful blessings, his creation, his bounty, and his providence. Now you say, well, that was, you know, was God really serious about the Sabbath day? Well, Numbers 15, 32, the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto all the congregation. And they put him in ward because it was not declared what should be done unto him. They put him in jail, ward, uh, until they figured out what to do with him. And the Lord said unto Moses, the man shall surely, shall be surely put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. Take him outside the camp, stone him with stones. He broke my Sabbath day. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones. And he died as the Lord commanded Moses. God was very serious about the Sabbath. So serious that the children of Israel caught a man gathering sticks, gathering wood for a fire, a fire to warm, a fire to cook food. And God said, put him to death. That's how serious. He takes his day and his law. So important that he came down and physically, verbally spoke it. He takes it very seriously. Now, most of you are going to say, well, that was under the law. It no longer applies to us. That's true. We are under grace. Jesus came and fulfilled the law, but he did not abolish the law. Jesus came and made the law stronger according to his words if you read the book of Matthew. We who know better, who read the book, who understand, shall be held to a much higher standard. Jesus says that. Never, ever have the standards of God wavered or lessened. He is constant. His thought is constant. His ways are constant. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He cannot hold us to a different sin standard than he has all the rest of the ages. For if he did, then he is a respecter of man. He is a God who changes his mind, therefore not omnipotent, not omniscient, and therefore not the God, but a God. If God is okay with our sin, but destroyed Nineveh for theirs, he is a little g God, not the God. If the same God who destroyed the world in Noah's day holds us to a much easier standard then he is not the perfect, pure, and just God, but whether one who bends to pressure from man. 
God doesn't change his standards. If he did, he cannot be the God. So let's look at what Jesus said in 519, uh, Matthew 519. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, that it's okay to break these least commandments, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says, whosoever breaks one of these least commandments and teaches people it's okay to break these least commandments, he's going to be least in the kingdom of God. Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Scribes and Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were the ones who interpreted the law. They were the ones who made the rules. They were the ones who enforced the rules. But your righteousness must exceed theirs to get into the kingdom of heaven. What exactly does that mean? Well, the Pharisees and scribes were the most learned, the most knowledgeable among the people of God in his law. Yet they had no heart knowledge of God. They kept the outward clean and pure, but inwardly they were full of dead men's bones, according to Jesus, for they knew not the God they claimed to represent. They used the law to bludgeon the people into submission, not for the betterment of the people. They used God's word, God's law, to make them feel horrible about it. They were not righteous at all. They were con men leading the people astray, appearing to preach God, but perverting his word. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came after the lost man, the lost relationship with God, the knowledge of God. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to restore that. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Pharisees and scribes were driving the people even further from him, and this was not a pleasing thing to Christ. The Sabbath day was given to man by God. A gift that we might rest. God made it a law so that they had to follow it, so that the people had to have a day of rest. So the employers could not overwork them. So that the self-ambitious people would not drive themselves into the ground. God gave us a day of rest as a benefit, as a blessing. The Sabbath day was given to man by God. The scribes and Pharisees made it onerous and made the people not want to serve out of love and gladness. This is where we get to the crux. They made the people dread the day of the Lord. The Sabbath, the very day that the Lord had set aside for the people. God wants you to take a day of rest. A day set aside for him in our week. A day of rest and reflection praise and thanksgiving a day to remember him the lord god who created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them now we must address though why we don't observe the sabbath on the seventh day as some still do excuse me let me get a drink real quick We don't observe the Sabbath day because we are not Jewish. We're not under Jewish law. We are under grace. The same standards still apply, but under grace. 
So quite obviously, Jesus arose from the grave on the first day of the week, Sunday. We observe that day, the day that death was defeated, the day that the grave no longer had control over us, a day that life was victorious. That's the day we observe. Jesus defeated death and the grave, for he had for had he not, we would have all we would of all people be most miserable, for we too would serve a little G God like all the rest of the world. Yet Jesus rose from the grave that we might have life eternal. And that's the only way we get anything from him is from his victory over death, over the grave. We are no longer under the law of the Sabbath, yet we are still commanded to rest and observe the day of rest, to celebrate life in Christ, to praise and to give thanks. Mark 10.1 And he arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resort unto him again, and as he was wont, he taught them again. Jesus taught every day. Jesus was among the people every day. Every day the people were after Jesus. Every day they were around him. He does not hold us to this everyday standard. Yet he does encourage us to get together around like-minded people to rest, recharge, and get going again. Jesus was God. He was here for the people, and boy, did the people love him for it. We don't have to do every day, but God wants us in services once a week, a day of rest, a day to recharge, a day to reflect and praise him for the bounties and blessings of the week before. Why? Because we forget a couple weeks down the road. We remember the week we just went through. Uh, Luke 24, 49, and behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now I bring this up because it says, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye, all of them, together in a group, tarry together, be around like-minded people, encouraging, exhorting one another until you be endued with power, until the Spirit comes down, you encourage each other, you exhort each other. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus tells the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem, yet he does not say, you. No, he says, ye. He tells them all to hang out together and wait, to exhort, to encourage, because that's what we need. We need ex exhortation. We need encouragement in the life of Christ. We're human. We are not Jesus. We can't do this every day without recharging. We have to recharge, and that's what the Sabbath day is. There is strength in numbers. There is joy in the people of God. There is renewing of the Spirit amongst like-minded people. Jesus was always around people, teaching, preaching, except for his personal devotion time. Other than that, he was out preaching. He was out teaching. The people were around him day in, day out. They loved him because he first loved them. As stated in Hebrews, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. To exhort, to encourage, to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, 
After that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. We do not preach that all that much anymore, do we? No. In fact, we isolate ourselves. Do you know what that provoke means? To stimulate, to entice, to provide needful desire for something. We are to provoke, push one another to love and good works. Whether that's by competition and keeping count. Whether that's by words and exhortation. Just by being together and growing in grace and knowledge. This is what the first day of the week is about. And this is why you need church. We are to cause each other to rise above. And how can we do that if we are never together? Never meeting to talk, to plan, to discuss, to rejuvenate, to pray, to rejoice, to testify of all that has been and will be done. Verse 25. Not forsaking the gathering together, for such is a time of exhortation. Such is the refresher, the day of rejoicing, especially now as the day of the Lord gets closer and closer. God is not slack in his promise. He is coming, and we must remind, reinforce that in each other every chance we get so that we do not lose sight, we do not lose faith, we do not stumble, we do not fall by the wayside. That's what we need the Sabbath for. For if we sin willfully, after we receive knowledge of the truth, willfully, intentionally, if you know what is wrong to do, and you do it anyway, that is sin. We are to gather together. The law, the word, our Bible says we are to gather together, get together, to rejuvenate, to refresh, to exhort, to encourage. And if you do not do that, you're sinning. But even less, even more than sin, you're losing that spirit. You know, a thought occurred to me when I was mowing the yard yesterday. All the epistles in the New Testament, the Gospels, the epistles, they were all wrote to the church to teach the church, to correct the church, to exhort the church, to rejuvenate the church. The, the, the New Testament was not wrote to the lost. It was wrote to us to tell us how to live, to get out and reach a lost and dying world. And my Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We know the Bible was inspired by the Spirit. We know these words were inspired by the Spirit of God. Therefore, this is just as much a command of God as the Ten Commandments are. Yet what is the righteousness that exceeds the scribes and Pharisees? All right, I said all that to get to this part right here. Because if I've lost you, this is where you catch up. I believe the next verse explains all God wants. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, Paul's writing to the Corinthians, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Don't give out of duty. Don't give out of obligation. Give because you want to give. That's what he's saying. Now, God is not asking for your tithe here. He is asking for your time. 
for your talent and for your tithe. When he says, give cheerfully, he doesn't say give of your money. He says he would sow it sparingly. You sow by planting. You don't plant with just money. You plant with your time. You plant with your talent. You shall reap sparingly if you give sparingly. Yes, you should tithe. But you also have to give of your time and your talent. I always thought that parable in the Bible was so very relevant because it says um, to this man ten talents was given and ten and the, the talents, uh, the money name, I always thought was so very um, apropos uh, concerning our English language and what talent means. I, I've always loved the way that that, that, that worked out. Um, God wants your talent. He wants your time. He wants your tithe. The Lord God, he wants a cheerful giver. He wants someone who thinks of him. Just like David, when David's sitting in his cedar house as king of Israel, and he looks around, and he says, wow, I live like this, but my God lives in a tent. Let's build him a house. That's what God wants. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. Yeah, he was a sinner. But he was a man who looked after God's interests. God wants a cheerful giver. God wants some people who think of him, not those who only do out of obligation. God wants the extra mile, but he wants the extra mile because you want to go the extra mile. God wants a freely given love. He wants a freely given service. He wants a freely, joyfully, cheerfully given time, talent, tithe. That's what he wants. We can discuss commands and scriptures. We can discuss obligation and duty all day long. But God wants a personal relationship with those that want a personal relationship with him. You have a strange child, you, you can try to repair it. But until that child's ready to repair it, it's not going to happen. You're estranged from your mother or father. You want to repair it. But until they're willing to repair it, it's not going to happen. A personal relationship goes both ways. God wants you. You have to want him. It's the way it works. That is what the Sabbath is all about. Laws, yes. Commands, yes. But he wants it because you want to be in his house. You want to meet with him. And you want to be with him where he is. He created the Sabbath for you to have rest. He created the Sabbath for you to be able to thank him to reflect on the gifts he has given you. He wants you to rest and reflect. And in today's world, that is a gift you can never repay. A day of rest, a day of reflection, a day of praise and thanksgiving. The negativity of the world will rain down on you. Take a day, get together with other folks and praise God for the blessings and the bounty which he has given. God wants you to care so much about what he cares about. He is God. He is God. God. He can compel us, yet he doesn't. He wants you to go to his house, to meet with him, to meet with like-minded people. He wants you to come alongside him, see what he sees, want what he wants, love what he loves, and dislike what he dislikes. That is what God wants. A heart for him, to share him with others, to talk to him, to take time with him, to take time for him. This is what it boils down to. 
if you are his, if you have called on the name of the Lord Jesus and you are saved, this is what he wants from you. A personal relationship. If you are his and he is yours, you will want to be where he is, doing what he does, going where he goes. Just as your love here on earth, the one you want to be around all the time, so too God wants you around him all the time. Again, we're going to finish with the wording, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath. That's all it says. Observe the Sabbath to keep it holy. Sanctified, set aside a holiday for God. Remember the Sabbath. That's the wording of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. But he gets to the Sabbath. And it's remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Keep the day I sanctified holy. Keep the day that I set apart for rest. Keep it that way. Remember the Sabbath. He's asking you. Remember the Sabbath. He's not coercing. No command. Just remember the Sabbath. Keep it sanctified as I sanctified it. God wants you to want what he wants. To love what he loves. God wants a personal relationship with you. He wants you to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. He doesn't say thou shalt not or thou shalt. He says, please remember it. Sanctify it like I sanctified it for you. Remember it to keep it holy. That's what he does. He doesn't coerce. He doesn't compel. Just like salvation is so freely offered, so too is the day of rest. All we have to do is observe it. Reach out and take it. All right, so that's it for my thoughts on the Sabbath. Until tonight, I will see you then.